0: Did you know that dogs have an amazing ability to detect subtle changes in their dog moms and dog dad's health? Dogs can be trained like medical alert dogs to recognize signs of seizures, drops in blood pressure, sugar, cancer, and so much more. We have all different kinds of service dogs and they are incredible. I have one myself. He's the best dog in the world. Us dog moms benefit from this amazing skill and our loyal companions can provide an early warning system for potential health issues which is
1: incredible. Dogs are fantastic in their capabilities to use their nose to detect so many changes not just for people, but they can also do scent detection. It, they're fascinating animals. We're so thrilled to bring you this next episode, so welcome to The Dog Moms. Dog moms, dog moms Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. We have a very special episode for you. We are actually going to focus on our community and neighborhood with dog lovers and dog care. I just love how we're going to kind of shift that focus and see what you can do to benefit your dog community. So we're actually going to have an interview with Beth Miller. She is the founder of Wagtown. And if you haven't checked it out, you need to go check it out.
0: That's right. Wagtown is really cool. It's a nonprofit that Beth started back in 2016 to help find the secret sauce to make communities more dog friendly. So this means more doggy friendly workplaces, dog parks, public spaces, restaurants, all of those things, all those places we want to bring our dog. She has found the secret sauce to try and help other communities become more dog friendly and That's what all of us dog moms want, right? We want to take our dogs with us everywhere.
1: (laughs) I mean, if it helps me bring my dog to more places, I am totally in, but there's so much more to that. And so I can't wait to bring Beth on later today. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And don't forget, if you guys have questions for us, you can go to the dog slash the dog moms. You can leave us a voicemail. You can ask us a question. We'll feature you on the show and we'll we'll answer some of your questions here. But before we get to the interview, I wanted to chat with Chrissy about something that I've been trying for my dog, Tucker, who is about 12 years old now. He is an old man and he's got some, you know, cricks, whatever you call it in his neck. And I recently heard from my vet that they suggested just to rest him and he was not really improving. It was just pain meds and rest. And I kind of had that feeling, which I know all of us dog moms get, where I felt like there was something more that I could do to try and help him feel better. And so I reached out to my dog sport friends and i actually found out about a dog chiropractor and massage therapist and she also does acupuncture and i recently tried this out and i don't know if i'm the only person that's heard of this but
1: chrissy have you heard of this kind of stuff for dogs before I mean, I have. And, you know, I've toyed around with, you know, how much I want to get heavily involved in my dog getting that kind of work. Um, it, It's a hard one for me because, you know, and by the way, Tucker's 12. Like, when did yeah. that happen?
0: <laughs> I um, know. He's doing I great.
1: <laughs> That's great. Sorry. I had to just get that out because I was like 12 years old. I just saw him like two days ago. He does not look 12. I know. But He's um, doing good. He is doing good. It's probably because of all the care you're doing, but you know, it's one <laughs> of those things like, do I only go when something's wrong or do I go mm-hmm. like weekly maintenance? Like I know for me, if I went to a weekly massage, like masseuse, I'd probably feel a lot better in a lot of different ways. But, right. you know, I and I went to one recently with my dogs and I, oh gosh, I paid that money because it's not cheap, right? Like let's, let's no. be, it's hard to, it's hard to get one that's going to be like, you know, running to Dunkin'. It doesn't really work that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, I, I talked to her, honestly, and she goes, you know what, unless you see something wrong, it's good to do mm. maintenance, especially for the the thick of like your dogs in active sports. But she yeah. did say like, unless you see something wrong, don't freak out about taking your dog weekly to get acupuncture and, and work like that. Right. I mean, that's if you have the money, go for it. But in reality, this is really just supposed to benefit or help rehabilitation or injuries or suspected tightness when doing certain sports. So yeah. for Tucker though, you had a pretty severe reason. Yeah. Like so I, saw, he, I saw the video. It was
0: pretty bad. A few months the ago, he had a few- he had like a Mom, few spells ask, of like ask, waking side up. Eye. I know, but actual, <laughs> actual side eye. I, I mean, know. a few years ago, he had a what's called now I know a idiopathic vestibular episode. And if anyone's listening and they have an older dog, this is actually something that's not uncommon. And I wish I would have known about it before it happened to me. Um, but basically, I thought my dog had a stroke, and yeah. he like half of his face just completely like went droopy and numb and. We freaked out. He ended up getting an MRI, like a spinal tap, all these crazy things. This was several years ago, um, and he's improved a lot. And he's been doing great. He, one of his ears sits higher than the other now, which is kind of cute. And he oh, has like so a little, sweet. a little half smile now. He's so um, sweet. I love his smile. Everyone's always like, "Oh, he has this little smile smirk," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, it's because his face was paralyzed." But um, it's a. Uh, but he's ha- he's been doing great with that, and. Um, About two months ago, I mean, this dog is, I could go on to health problems forever with him because we've had a trillion of them, but, um, about two months ago he woke up in the morning and like could not turn his head to the left. And it was Mm -hmm. interesting because it's the same side as the face paralysis that happened. And, um. I did a zoom call with my vet. We tried pain meds and rest for a week or two and he got better. But then Mm. about two and a half weeks later, it happened again. And this time he was like, not just not turning his head to the left, but he was crouched over and just, you could tell he was very uncomfortable. He was shaking. It was really, and I was like, you know, we rested him again, but I kind of felt like there's something that could more be done than just rest and pain meds. And I could tell that it wasn't, like a tumor type of thing, like it was some sort of thing going on with his neck, and so I took him to our sport dog chiropractor. And even though he didn't really appreciate the, you know, adjustments and all not like his the tools, favorite cup
1: of tea, <laughs> yeah, I did not, not appreciate it.
0: But um, I, I've taken him twice now in the past month, and we haven't had a relapse of the situation again. He started playing with whiskey again the past couple of days, which hasn't That's a happened. Big deal.
1: You said that, yeah. It's
0: been a- it's been like over a month since he's played with her. And so I can tell he's feeling better. And it's actually interesting you mentioned the money because depending on your insurance, if you have pet insurance, I know some pet insurances will actually cover this type of like rehab stuff if there is a problem. So I am really glad I tried it with him, but I did talk to the chiropractor and she said, you know, you don't have to bring him all the time. It can help right, him. Right. Um, but, you know, maybe bring him every so often just to keep it loose. And she actually showed me some Exercises and stretches to do with him. And so I'm really hoping that will help out. But I did notice a big difference and I think it can be a really helpful
1: thing. And did you I see even an doctor- immediate change? Yeah. Was it like an immediate change or was it like, did you take him out? Yes, and you're like, oh my God. Yes no. So
0: when we first started, I, like, she- I think people expect
1: that. That's one thing I think people need to like maybe. Get an idea for, and not not to cut yeah. you off at all, but just be- before you say this, because I think it's going to be important, is that I think people expect they're going to go in. It's a one-two fix, and that's not right. always the case.
0: And I mean, you don't know necessarily what's going on with the dog, and so it's good yeah. to talk to your vet. But I was glad to get a second pair of eyes and a second opinion on him from the chiropractor as well. Um, I do want to note that I did not take him into the chiropractor until he was able to move again. Like I wasn't going to take him when he was in pain. So I took him about a week later after he had already shown he was back to normal, wanting to walk around, wanting to play. Um, But before we started, she did this stretch to the left where he couldn't really turn all the way after the session, she did it again. And he was much more flexible. So it definitely helped. And it's something definitely to consider. And she even mentioned like with my other dogs, you know, you can do it, especially for sport dogs, like occasionally. And she said, part of that is also just getting the dog used to it so that yeah. if there they is a problem,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: So I'm, I'm really glad I tried it out. I'm not going to do it all the time because it does add up quickly, but I'm does. really glad because he's seeming to feel a lot better. And it's just something to consider, you know, if you have a dog that is prone to physical problems for sure.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that worked out for you because I know that like that he just looked so uncomfortable. And I think also it's not just for your sport dogs. Like your dog doesn't have to be a like full fledged competitor in agility or Frisbee. It can be senior dogs, it can be dogs yeah. that had an injury and are rehabbing. You know, we've been doing the underwater treadmill for Beasley for his arthritis and it's made a world of a difference. I mean, you saw right. him being not the type of dog that usually wants to engage without food to being like, hmm. you saw him at the dog diving pool. He's like, I'll get the toys for ready. nothing. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go swimming. You know, <laughs> so it's amazing that those subtle changes that I was like, I can't believe Beasley's doing this just because he wants to. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a big, that was a big deal. He didn't really want to go anywhere for a while and then, and it takes some time to know your dog. And to use the therapy and the professionals around you, so really, really cool. I'm glad that he's on the men and he's feeling much better because that poor kid. It looks, it looked so uncomfortable. I know
0: he's he's doing good. And I'm knock on wood. We'll we'll keep going back as long as we need to because you know we're both extra dog moms. So if I can do yeah. anything to
1: make him, oh my gosh. If I can do
0: anything to make him feel a little bit better and a little bit happier, especially at 12 years old. It's I'm so doing true. it.
1: <laughs> my husband gave me like a gift certificate for a massage a year ago. I still haven't used it, but yet my dogs have gone <laughs> probably four or five looking- times. <laughs> <laughs> is that not that real though? Right. That's, that's so realistic. Right. Like oh he's gosh. like, are you ever going to do that? And I was like, oh yeah, that thing, I probably should take care of myself. Oh uh, well, man. anyway but I'm so for this show. <laughs> so this show is going to be great because just as we love to take care of our dogs and give extra, I think there's also, you know, there's a bigger world around us. And so I can't wait to bring in Beth to talk about how we can improve our community around us. And boy, if you want to meet someone passionate about this line of work, she is the woman. So, thank you for uh, sharing with us your experience with therapy. But I can't wait to kind of dive into this interview. So, let's bring Beth on and see what we have let's going on to here for it. today. Go, go. Today we are joined by Beth Miller. She is the founder of WagTown. And WagTown is a company that provides you know, pet care services to, well, like myself, very busy pet parents. Um, not just a variety of services, but also a huge dog advocate and dog lover and known as the dog-friendly expert, which is right up my alley and Amber's too. So welcome, Beth. We're so excited to have you. And I can't wait to hear more about all the things that you're up to.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting.
0: Okay, so I would love to know how you got the Dog Friendly Expert title before we get into this. I would love to hear more about that. Can you kind of give us a little bit more about what that means?
2: Sure, sure. Well, in uh, 2014 and 15, uh, 15 and 16, I um, went back to school to get my master's and I wrote a program for a platform that would support animal advocacy in a way that, you know, we're not in the weeds with rescue and things like that. But I I talked with someone who's really big up in that scene. And I said, so what does it look like when a community is, is really like you've had success and they really couldn't answer the question of what that vision would be. And I, at first I was like, how can you not know you're not going to get there if you know, I'm very strategic minded because I used to own an ad agency. So I'm all like, what are we talking about here? And then I had this aha moment where it's like, I'm not the one who's up at three or four o'clock in the morning, running over to so-and-so's house to pick up a box of kittens, right. And some dogs that were left and so it was like, how can I support that in a way that helps people understand what's included or what needs to be prioritized in communities to be authentically and responsibly dog friendly? So I quit my job and I couldn't stop thinking about this nonprofit. So I'm like, Geronimo, I'm going for it. And instead of it being sort of off the cliff, it was more like a mosh pit and so when I did my more than 700 interviews all over the United States, one-on-one with like economic development, the health department, public transportation, you know, everything from public art to the animal welfare sector, to see when you plop a poodle into a town, what is the ripple effect of that? And so hmm. because of those, you know, research tenants, I was able to build this six tenants where it involved like economic development responsible dog ownership, better infrastructure for dog and pet inclusiveness and so things like that lead to more humane behavior because it's more top of mind and it's being prioritized economically as well as, you know, policy-wise within the communities. And so as a result of that work then I received word that um, I was being recognized as the number one dog friendliness expert in the Midwest. Wow. And then, so that followed up with, you know, in the United States. So I was like, "Dang, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> That's People are cool. So so yeah, what yeah. are some
1: – my mind immediately jumps to like what are some things that you – that someone like myself would notice or just an average pet parent um, because I'm a little dog crazy so I don't call myself average. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a wild side. We will think was, either of us see? are average. <laughs> yeah. What would I see in a neighborhood, let's say, that is going to show this sort of like – change towards being more dog-centric, dog-friendly? What, what are some of things I will actually tangibly see, feel that type of deal?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. One of the things that you might be surprised is if you go into your city's um, website for the for the city itself and services that they offer. And there's usually a, either a tab that says animals or a lot of times they have dog. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of what you'll find in there is here are all the things you cannot do with a dog. Yeah, here's the rules. <laughs> you, there's nothing yeah. about like, you know, like in Ohio, uh, before 2018, it was illegal to take your dog to a dog to a patio outdoors. You know, wow. And you can imagine the impact that has on fundraising and the bottom line for those restaurants and whatnot. So we joined forces with a local local representative in Dayton uh, or state representative for Ohio, and working on how we can overcome that. So there was just a lot of research. We looked into law and research in California and all over the place to see. Were there findings of a risk to that? And we couldn't find anything. In fact, the state of yeah. California actually put in the report, we can find no reason to be, to have a health concern over this. So when we brought that back in, now instead of having the health department enforce those rules, which they started to do in 2017, now it's up to the business owner. So if they see that that's a good economic impact for them, and then of course, you know, we all enjoy that when we want to. Right. Our dogs. Well,
0: yeah, I imagine that once once people start realizing that dog people want to do more stuff with their dogs and they want to get out and pay more money, you know, I'll I'll pay extra money to bring my dog with me, even, and if I can go to a restaurant that has an outdoor patio that allows dogs, like that's what we're mm-hmm. choosing over anything else. So I'm sure that other businesses started picking up on that and maybe seeing the benefits too. Yes. Yes. We had
2: one person who has a restaurant and bar and uh, she testified that she has a 20% bump in sales on dog days. So it's like, how (laughs) can you cut that off from a business perspective? So, so that really went well. But what, then what you find is like, when I went to San Diego, they had a group um, that was, it was called new city America and they were sort of redefining the brand of San Diego and little Italy was the area. And so I met with uh, Chris, who was kind of leading that charge, and you know he was a dog lover, so that probably didn't hurt. But they actually included dog friendliness as a part of their economic resurgence for that area and really establishing a brand for them. And so what I found there was that I expected that um, like the people would know better like what to do with dogs and that kind of thing. And so I noticed when we were just foot traffic along the sides and the streets and things like that. Um, it was interesting to me that although I had this thought, well, people will know better, it was also this dog response, and Christy, you can probably relate to this, that the dogs knew what to do around humans, too. Like, there wasn't like this, mm. hi, hi, hi. And, you know, there wasn't an aversion, there was a lot less guardian behavior. And so you know, I think that really is a testament to when you have that experience and then you let people know that this is important to us, then people start to spend more time and do more engaging activities and look into enrichment for their dogs. And so you start to see this evolution of attitudes and behavior because the dogs are part of their lives and it's encouraged. So you'll see that. And I know when I was in uh, Brooklyn, and New York, yeah, the realtors were telling me that People aren't asking where are the schools and how are they? They're saying, where can I take my dog first? Where's I the ask?
1: dog park? Yeah, <laughs> don't blame them. And you know, it's an interesting yeah. fact. Like Central Park has has hours throughout their day in Central Park where your dog can be oh off gosh. leash. Yeah. Which is uh, wild yeah. to me. But but the dogs, you like, I mean, like those- you, don't, well, you don't hear that there are dogs being hit by cars every day in New York City. It's funny because like the dogs mm, yeah. know where to stay and those off- at, off-leash off yes. areas. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't get a like, oh my gosh, these dogs are running through the street every day. Like you don't hear that because the dogs are conditioned. Right. Like, this, is their yeah. place. this is what they can do. And what I've noticed in when I went to Italy is that dogs that travel with their people all the time and they walk the streets all the time and they'll even be off. It's leash. just commonplace. Is, it is a commonplace. There is no running yep. into each other, dogs having bad meetings, greetings, over overstimulation. They're like, hey, what's up? And they move on. Like it, That's because they're yes. just intertwined into that person's everyday life. Right, and
0: then if you think about it, I mean, all of those dogs are probably being included so much more in things, which means their needs are being met way more than if they were left at home all the time, and that's when you're getting dogs that have been left home all day, not going places with their people, and then they get out and they get overstimulated, overexcited, so it really makes sense that the more that they get included in things and be a part of things, not only do they adjust to being out off-leash, things like that, but also... The dog's me- needs are actually being met, the social needs, the, you know, the environmental needs, the enrichment, all of those things as well. And it's kind of funny because um, I was thinking of that quote. I mean, I, I think I've seen it like all over social media many times where people are like, people are buying houses with yards, not for families, but because they have dogs. You know, like it, it's a thing that's happening because people have their dogs and people are with social media as well. We're starting to see that everyone's learning how to provide more for their dog. And the more that they learn, the more they want to do and they want to bring their dogs with them. And so it kind of all ties
1: in together really nicely. And I think that's like, don't, so what do you think, Beth, when you see that and you're like, great, everybody bring their dog. This could be really fun. But like, you know, that's also extremely risky. There's still a big risk with that. So is there, are there things that you do to like promote this, you know, friendliness? Because although we wish all dogs were friendly, that's not reality. And although we wish all pet parents understood proper greetings, that's not reality. Right. Not all pet parents are actually responsible either. So (laughs) like everyone bring their dog to the restaurant, it could become a big problem. So like, are there things that you think of outside the box to make sure that you're committed to this safe atmosphere for dogs?
2: Yeah. Well, when we worked on that bill about having dogs on patios, for example, we knew that it was going to pass at some point. So we dug in and figured out like, how can we provide tools to not only the dog owners, but also the restaurants and bars and whatnot that would want to welcome dogs in there. And it was like, how to be dog friendly, you know, mm. tips for safety and cleaning and letting people know and, and marketing techniques to bring people in and welcome people to get that extra niche of dollars. And then on the other side, we had how to pack a, how to pack a doggy bag. And it was like, when you go out with your toddler, you have this massive bag of, you know, binkies and whatever for your for your kid. Well, when you go out with your dog like that, you should look at it the same way. Are they going to have a comfortable place where they're safe mm. to sit? Do you have treats for them? Do you have some place that you can have them be securely attached to something if you need to have them? tethered to something so that they, you know, don't cause an issue. So I, I, a lot of that is letting people know, you know, what is that with great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, Spider-Man, right? So I think that that's what we need to remember is the quickest thing to kill dog friendliness is irresponsible dog right? You're so an educated
1: an educated dog owners. Yes, right Now, now I have a few facts here about Wagtown and I, and I've looked over it a couple of times and I just can't wait to hear more about it. It says that now correct me if I'm wrong that, that you have locations in over 100 cities with Wagtown. Well, we actually work
2: um, out of Dayton, Ohio, and we actually work with anyone in the whole country, and we actually work overseas a little bit with people. So in terms of pet services, ours is more of advocacy pet services and Mm. connecting people with that. So when you asked about your community, what we want to see is um, sort of a magnet for people that are starting to come in. We're starting to see a lot of apartment complexes working with organizations that help them understand that the insurance barriers are no longer a problem and how they can integrate Mm. that into better operational practices. So you don't have sort of this penalty of if you have a dog, your rent is now $100 more per month or whatever. And so now they're starting to see, oh, if they invest in infrastructure and, you know, uh, tools for the dogs to be more comfortable where they're living, then you can start to see an increase. So they're now saying, oh, maybe our dog park should be more than a seven by 14 fence. Right. Right. Really wear and tear. So, you know, realizing like, oh, this could Equal dollars and brand loyalty and new business and vibrancy for our community, then it's like, oh, we could have more safety. Our community could be healthier. We installed something called the Wagtown Dog Trail, which is a hmm. two mile track around That's great. the community. And it kind of highlights like, you know, little milestones in the community <clears throat> and little <clears throat> places you can visit, excuse me, <clears throat> places you can visit. Uh, restaurants you can go to but it also has brought together you know we put it in thinking this is going to be great it's going to bring people together and then you're like i hope so and <laughs> people that we met because we do a dog scavenger hunt along the trail oh wow oh, that's come so up. Fun. yeah it's, it's so, like that's a so geocache
1: cool. <laughs> it's like geocache for your dogs like find the geocaches like hidden
2: little treasures hashtag dog um, scavenger hunt they're
1: like fun all these that sounds amazing yeah.
0: And so it, it sounds really- like a lot of
1: trainers in the area could get involved, too, these you know positive okay. reinforcement based trainers that want to see have yeah. more exposure and socialization for their clients. And I'll yeah. tell you nothing more that keeps me at my daughter's water park is the food truck. <laughs> so like if you can have incentives <laughs> that aren't just for the dog but for the human <laughs> to hang out more, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll spend That's- an extra couple dollars for you to keep swimming and I'll go get myself a pizza. You know, like there's right. incentives now that you can probably build into that space. <laughs> Yeah. So is this something
0: that, like you mentioned this trail and all these things sound incredible. Is this something that, um, if someone wanted to have Wagtown be more a part of advocating for making their environment, their city more dog friendly, how -hmm. would someone go about that? Um, because you guys have obviously done so much, but how would someone go about, I guess, hearing this episode and thinking like, man, I want, I want Wagtown to come and like, Talk to my city and make my city more dog friendly and have all these things advocating for us dog owners. How mm-hmm. how would you go about that, I guess? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. And thank you for asking it. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think um, you know, we talk to people a lot of times about, you know, having better dog parks. And so one of the steps that a lot of people don't take is to really get a feel for what happened what's happening in their own community, mm-hmm. like what's allowed, what's not allowed. And so a lot of times people say, We want one, and they go before their city council or whatever and say, We want a dog park. And it would be much better if you came in and said, We would love to have a dog park, and we understand that these are the ordinances and this is what happens legally. These are the zoning area restrictions. And so we've done our homework. Uh, we've mm-hmm. looked at different, op- you know, so do a little bit of homework on that. But yeah, if you're going to say, I it to be more dog friendly, mm-hmm. um, you know, check out your community and see what's available. Look to see if you can have dogs on patios. Look to see if there are restrictions on breeds. There are a lot of things right. like um, what I call a breed restriction refugee yeah. where mm-hmm. you can't live in a certain community because of that. So they might have. You know, economic impact to their own bottom line. So things like that. Um, But if they want to work with us, we have a lot of resources for them individually, all the way up to working with the schools. And we have a K through four curriculum that walks kids through dog safety. And we have a book that we wrote that kind of talks about. The impact on self-worth for a dog that goes through the shelter system and, you know, hope, obviously. And then, of course, Tucker finds his forever home. So obviously, there's a forever home. Good ending. But (laughs) um, trying to impact people from, you know, little tiny people who are early learners and then just like we did with recycling, you know, you, you like brainwash the kids, right. With like be green. And then it comes home with them and all the, they're mm-hmm. like, well, why are you putting that bottle in that trash can? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like green shaming us into having two generations of people then be more attuned to that. So if we can do that with dog behavior and responsible dog ownership, mm-hmm. because I think you'll find that, you know, I sure you guys have seen this. If you ask someone, what does responsible dog ownership mean? you get a lot of different answers and right. there's usually a little, um, you know, hackles are up, no pun intended yeah. to have that conversation. So yeah, it all depends like, where
1: you come from. It's so true. Like people who have totally, the bully totally. breeds versus this breed versus that, right. or these past experiences, everyone has different opinions.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I think that, and, you know, please reach out to us, you know, you can go through wagtown.org. Uh, we're a nonprofit, so it's org. And, um, I think, you know, just having that sparkle in your eye of hmm. I recognize that dogs deserve better than this when we look yeah. at the human animal bond impact on them and you know everything else you, you know we could talk hours on the benefits of dogs in our lives but you know you convert that sparkle into action and bringing people together that have like minds and I would suggest not really going in like passionate dog mom, you know, like, you know, yeah, you, right.
0: take care of my dog for me. That's right. That's yeah, we don't, right. we don't any, want any dog caring moms, right? <laughs> so,
2: you know, there's caring and then there's caring with uh, the ability to get traction to move forward because you're not mm-hmm. always talking with someone who is a dog lover, right? But they yeah, may be in charge right. of what you need to do to have to get there. Um, I will say that if you're talking with anybody who is going to be a potential stakeholder or partner in this um, ask them within the first three minutes, do you have a dog? Because then mm. it's like, yeah. Then,
0: yeah, then you'll have yeah. immediate connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It, it makes yeah a that's difference. a really, it really,
0: it really is cool to think. I mean, because I've lived in a lot of cities and some of them are obviously more dog friendly than others. And I have noticed an upturn of more of them trying to be more dog friendly. And I do think that, um, you know, when people think like, oh, I want a dog park. The people you may be talking to may be just thinking, OK, all we have to do is find a lot put a fence on it and that's it. And they don't realize that that's not exactly what we want, but that there is so much more that we can provide. And by doing so, it brings value to the community as well, because it becomes a place that people gather. And when you, I'm sure this is what Wagtown is all about, but you guys probably provide so many more things that make it a more enjoyable experience, that make it a safer place for everybody too. So I guess what would that look like if someone were to reach out to Wagtown and say, hey, I'm like advocating for my city. I'm trying to make this more dog friendly. And if they were to reach out to Wagtown, what would it look like if you guys were to be helping them along the way?
2: Okay. Great question. Yeah. I think a lot of it is really helping them um, understand what we do. And then I really need to understand what they're up against or what the opportunities are in their community. So usually when people come to me, they're like, here's our situation. And that's great because Mm. like with, like with a dog park or anything else, your dog friendliness needs to match the culture of the community. You talked about dogs that don't run out of the unfenced dog park areas, right? Mm -hmm. I saw that a lot on the West coast and people are like horrified of that when I talk in Ohio. So really understanding what you want, um, you know, with dog play being one of the fifth freedoms is really important for us to understand the impact that that will have on the people and the dogs and like Richard Florida's livable cities thing, like adding vibrancy through that. Look for areas where you think there might be opportunities and Hmm. also look where you have like a void of things. So in our downtown area, we're now talking about adding dog daycare facilities because there aren't any even though so many people have moved into the downtown area and now it's this thriving area again, well, now all these people have their dogs and more people have access to having their dogs there. So now you have increased demand for having that facility. So if you can look where, you know, businesses are looking for that to be added, potentially, you know, policymakers as well as dog people. You've got the humane organizations. If you can pull those people together, which sometimes can be tricky, dog people have a lot of strong opinions, but really getting them to understand like this is a win for all of us. Like all ships rise. Right. And so pulling together really great, passionate stakeholders who are in it for the long haul and understand that this is like a, you know, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Let's Hmm. just keep going. And you finally start to see things, you know, changing. We've seen a lot of changes where we are because this was our our beta site where we started some things. And so, you know, look for the wins and then try to reach out to the people who've had those wins or who were involved in that so that you can create what I call a tiger team, where you have this really great group of people who have assets and resources and expertise. And that's where I come in that it's like, let me lead your team through this. Let's have, you know, if it's far away, it's like, let's have some Zoom meetings with your team Mm -hmm. and with everybody else. We can talk about what your challenges are and then provide tools, whether they be, you know, intellectual things or action items that they can take or things that we've already, you know, packaged for people to really address things. And then they need to triage, okay, what's the most important thing? Do you have breed discrimination, for instance, that's a totally different battle than having dogs on the patio. So, right. and then figuring out like, what's the most important thing for our community, but also picking a win, right? is this achievable? Or is it such um, a prickly subject that we probably won't get traction for at least a couple of years? Hmm. That's going to burn out a lot of your um, volunteers and a lot of people that you brought on board. So if you brought in a lot of pet businesses that support that um, that kind of ecosystem, how are we supporting that? Are we mm-hmm. promoting that they're there and that we need to engage with them? Because, you know, you ne- when you bring it in, you have to have the demand there to follow it, right? So right, helping yeah. people understand that it's really a network of people that can do that. So you need to create this mini network, and then we help guide you through steps that you can take, and really um, helping them form the vision of what that is, and then getting into the strategies of what you're going to do, and then what tactical moves you need to make. The Tactical sounds so like you know nefarious, but you know yeah. the moves that you need to make to kind of cut that path. In a way that it draws, um, like other people into the flow. And then you'll start to see, oh, there's demand for this. So, uh, for instance, with legislation, people who uh, have dogs are more likely to vote to donate to a campaign and to put a yard sign in. So, you know, you can see that those are engaged people. Mm. So, you know, pulling people in like that and then really realizing, okay, now we need to talk to leadership. What's their position on this? There may be things in the history of the community that will be a barrier to getting more dog friendliness. So, right. you know, really do a gut check, but also a community check. And then yeah, reach out to me because, you know, once you have all that information, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, there's overwhelming. So much. Right. Yeah, like what is. if
1: you're what if you're in a position where, you know, you may not have the schedule or lifestyle to be able to like, I'm gonna take on my town and we're gonna do this. But what if I was in a position where I was like, how can I help? Like, just from the outside in, like maybe I can't take on the city to do this project on my own, but how can I find a way to join in, even if it's not my city? Maybe it's, I just want to join in and and support the project in general. Do you have a place to go or another uh, avenue for people who want to just oversee and and see this kind of come to light?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you go to wagtown.org, we have a lot of um, conversations about what kind of services we offer and products and things that we've done to give people tools so that they can do that. So even if you feel sort of hopeless, like it is a big lift because one of the things that I, you know, encouraged me to start this was we were thinking about moving. So we were looking and we're like in Google, we're like, you know, top dog friendly city in America. We've Mm -hmm. all done that. Yeah. It's like Mm 28.7 million This And so I was like, we can go anywhere. It's everywhere. And then when we started to click into that and do our secondary research, it was like hotels and, you know, it was very, um, like not bait and switch, but kind of, you know, cause then you get there and you're like, well, but not your dog cause we don't take right,
0: before, right. You know? yeah. So it really yeah. becomes- Dogs like- under 20 pounds. <laughs> like, right. right. right.
2: <laughs> so I think that um, understanding that where you're going to go with this, you just match those tools. And that's a great point you had because I, I did, I, Chrissy was on there. We had uh, 52 weeks of making a difference. That's right. Talking to people about the first episode was like, all right, You need to do a gut check here. What kind of time do you have? What kind of resources do you have financially? What kind of, you know, connections you have in the community? What's the value you can bring without making it that you're, you know, beating yourself up because you're taking on too much because it is. It's a huge thing. You can mm-hmm. take it from a health perspective, from a safety perspective, from you know, responsible dog ownership, uh, welcoming infrastructure, right. inflation. And so you know all of those things have a trickle-down effect to how dog moms and everybody else can experience life with their dog in a way that it feels like it's genuine and everyone in the community is supporting that behavior. And so if they have the tools like to work with the schools or to work with the health department on some things, you talked about the trail model for a dog park. So you have a lot more um, human Health impact along with the dog impact, which then impacts the social emotional welfare of not only the dog, but the person there, too. So picking one of those things, um, and I can help you walk through that, or you can kind Mm -hmm. of look through what we've done. Um, Yeah, Choose something little and then grow from there. So you'll probably have a little nugget if you're watching this. My big thing is, you know, whatever. So, you know, we can help you figure out. And a lot of it is just a conversation where people are like, oh, I didn't think of that, right? right. Like, uh, duh, right? And so it's just not top of mind because we're so into like, you know, your dog is right there and you're like, I want to help you. I want to make your life better and, and that kind of thing. And so we're very emotionally involved in that and it, it is overwhelming. And we feel, I think, um, kind of the weight of if dogs have any despair or fear or anything in their lives, we feel like as, as a species, we have this obligation to help that be eased. So that we know Mm -hmm. in that community that we've done what we can within our scope to make that needle move so that they can feel like I'm part actively part of making this happen. Because if we all start to take these tiny steps, we're going to continue to see this traction where people are saying, oh, you know, look at this economic development team looks like, you know, we need to create more uh, placemaking and livable city initiatives in order to be competitive for acquiring new workforce and retaining them. And so it's, it's much bigger than wagging tails. Yeah. (laughs) What a great way to start because, you know, a lot of people are like, why not meow town? And I'm like meow town is something that will evolve because we tackle dog, you know, dog stuff. Yeah. Um, And that's
1: what I was thinking. I was just thinking like, if you're not a dog person, this could actually even you stepping in to assist in some ways can actually help you because let's say like, you know, I don't know, it's a small city. And let's say, you know, dogs keep, you know, using your lawn as their bathroom. I mean, if, you, if it's <laughs> yeah. a more dog-friendly forward, dog town, then you aren't going to be dealing with that as much because there, there is right. going to be a place for people to go with their dogs. So even those non-dog people can actually get in on this to encourage, you know, their neighborhood to be something that they also want and can yeah. enjoy. Yeah. I
2: think if you don't have a dog and think of it as pet inclusiveness, and how that general category really affects us all. I was just yeah. on a podcast with Kitty Cat Go about dogs off leash and people not understanding that mm-hmm. just because your dog is friendly doesn't mean that it's friendly, whether it be a cat or a dog. Right. You know, but cats are really coming into their own and, and wanting more autonomy from the I'm in a box in my, in my home. Yeah. Sure. To yeah. those kind of experiences. And so I think there is momentum there, which I think will help dog friendliness because we're starting to see that. And I think COVID really supercharged this. Well, people thought, when I leave, my dog's going to have separation anxiety because Mm -hmm. i was during COVID. And now what we're finding is that may be true, but also the people are having severe separation anxiety. anxiety I I have
0: uh, separation anxiety from my dogs and cats for sure.
1: We (laughs) experience that all the time. We're like, Amber, I don't know how to go places without my
2: dog.
0: I know. I'm like, I'll
2: be gone in five minutes, but I'm going to really miss you while I'm gone. Yeah. My dogs are
1: sleeping
0: and I'm like checking the camera every five seconds. I want to see what you're doing. Oh my (laughs) This is just like really inspiring. And I really hope that people listening can, especially if they have, you know, a city that they want to improve or make more dog friendly. Um, I really appreciate your guys' resource. And I know that you mentioned one other thing that before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about, which was your program for kids, your kid curriculum. Um, Would you be able to tell us a little bit about that before we wrap it up? Because I know it's really cool and it's really important as well.
2: Thank you. Yeah, that was a very heart project. Uh, We realized that we needed to talk to kids. They're the number one target for bites Mm -hmm. and misunderstanding about what's safe around dogs. And so we created a curriculum that walked people through, you know, safety around dogs and that some dogs have jobs. And so what's appropriate behavior around that? Um, What does a day look like for you when you have a dog in your life? And all the way up to, you know, how how does that affect your household and how does that affect learning? And so it was actually spread from K1 to K4 because of some of the gaps that we've had through COVID. And they're starting to see it's more applicable for more ages. And so a lot of that was, um, how do we get this out there then? We don't want to have any barriers to getting this information. So we partnered with PBS and their oh, PBS fun. Learning Media has it available for free to anyone who educates
1: PBS. anywhere in the world. That's great. That's such a big deal. I'm such a big fan of PBS because they just focus all their content towards like it's enrichment, it's learning, it's good for children, it's a safe net. I like that.
0: Yeah and how how much better is it that you guys can have a program that educates kids on child uh, safety with other dogs because I mean dog bites are huge with little kids and so yes. I mean that's all education and prevention for both parents and kids and good thing about PBS is that uh, we like watching it too so
1: I know we do <laughs> right? we do we you do. have such
2: a good intention you know it's like you can trust that that for bringing it to you it's like yeah. this is- this is good for... I know it's something, something I can understand. leave on
1: and my daughter is going to get safe content. They're not going to insert th- something that I wasn't expecting right? or inappropriate. Exactly. Well, yeah. that is wonderful. Yes. I can't thank you enough for being with us today, Beth. What a fantastic amount of information to look at. Not only do we love our dogs, but what we can do in the community around us and how we can get involved. So just before, uh, as we wrap this up, can you remind us of some of the places we can go to learn more about you, more about how to be involved, links, social media? Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Well, any uh, big
2: information, if you want to really absorb what we do and get a feel for, okay, what tools are there available to me and what kind of expertise is out there for us to really know what we're doing out there, then go to Wagtown.org. If you're a LinkedIn person, I'm on there as Beth Cherry Holmes Miller. Um, but There's all kinds of, you just look up Wagtown. There just hits all over the place for projects that we're working on. That gives you a feel for traction of projects that have been done in the past and how we've integrated those with the community. So that may be a good spark of like, oh, there's an idea that would be perfect for my community. Uh, please reach out to me at beth at wagtown.org. <clears throat> and then we have a Facebook presence and Instagram where people can kind of look at what's going on. And so you know to your point about the curriculum, um, we've got a movie, Clifford, being shown in a local theater here. And so kids are coming and they're going to watch reading of the book that goes with the curriculum as like a preview, like when you go to the movie mm. previews. So yeah. they're going to watch that. And then we'll bring in our dog Sesto for people. And, you know, like when we do that, it's like meet the dog instead of having it be you're on a patio and here's the dog. And then there's like, <laughs> instead it's like, now let's create a line and explain to the kids. You don't hug the dog. You don't do selfies with your face right by the dog. It's mm. like, i them on the back and this is how you approach them. So another learning opportunity where it's PBS in the library. Why wouldn't we use this as an opportunity? So that's like the message to people that are out there is look for, even if it's a small opportunity in one town with one event with only 50 people, that's still 50 people that you can empower with yeah. new messaging. So I, totally I encourage agree. people to, whether it's Ragtown or anything, just please start pushing for this because it really improves the life of all of us and our dogs.
1: Wow, really that is an does. awesome. That's an awesome little nugget that you gave know. us. <laughs> That's so great. Thank you so much, Beth. I really great. can't wait, and hopefully, I'll see you soon in Ohio. I'll be at the Ohio State Fair, so hopefully, we'll see each other soon there. Yeah. I'll have to. I'll have to message yeah. you, and we'll, we'll connect. Go to there. that train. take me with you. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> All right, Beth. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. We are thrilled. Again, if you want to follow more with Beth and her um, advocacy for dog friendliness with the Dog Friendly Expert, you can check out Wagtown and be sure to check her out on Instagram and see all of the cool things they're doing to support our dogs and how much we love them and the lives we provide for them. Thank you, Beth. Hi. I hope you have a wonderful day, but thank you so much for being a part of our podcast today.
2: Thanks, Thanks, Beth. It was great meeting you. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, well, now it's our favorite part of the show where we get to answer some questions from you guys, our listeners, and don't forget if you'd like to send us a question or if you just you know, want to send us a little story, you can go to dogtv.com slash thedogmoms, leave us a little voicemail there, and we'll be more than happy to answer your questions. So let's hear the first question.
2: What is the best advice you can give to someone who is thinking about getting a second dog? Thank you.
0: Wow. That's a great question. Asking someone with three dogs and two cats and someone with four dogs. So Chrissy, why don't
1: you, uh, since you have more dogs than I do, why don't you uh, start us off for now? Um, Yeah, that's a great question. I really weighed heavily on getting a second dog. And first of all, my reason for getting a second dog was because I was getting involved in sports and I really wanted to do more with my dog. But with that being said, that means I was going to be bringing in a much higher energy dog into the picture. And so with that being said, I, um, you know, obviously the whole family has to be on board. And secondly, I started to put things in my home that I could help manage this because I knew the young, very high drive puppy would be a lot for my older laid back dog. And so Having strategic mealtimes where I had maybe a gate put up to separate them and maybe offered more outlets for the puppy to stay busy and not want to go and bully my older dog were some of the very first things that I considered doing in the home before getting that second dog and bringing him home.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's like if you're going to be bringing a second dog into your family, make sure you ask yourself why and what's the reasoning for it. And if, you know, weigh the pros and cons before just impulsively bringing home another dog or puppy, especially if you're bringing in um, a second dog and you're not sure how your current dog is going to do. That's something you really want to take into consideration. Know your dog's personality that you have currently and take those introductions slowly. Don't just bring a puppy home and place it in your house and expect your current dog to just adjust immediately. And so once you've kind of determined if the next dog is is right for you, taking those introductions slowly, taking them out into neutral territory and taking them on a walk together on a leash and making sure that they're having positive associations with each other. I think that's something that people sometimes overlook because they're so excited to bring home that second dog and they just expect them to be as excited about the new dog as they are, and that's not always how it goes. And so if we want to have that smooth introduction and then have, you know, a multi-dog household, we want to make sure we take those introductions seriously and slowly and making sure that the original dog in the house is still getting as much of the same routine as possible with the new one coming
1: along as well. And also consult like a local trainer that you can find if you're like, "Hey, I would like you to evaluate the dog I have now." And, or maybe help evaluate the dog I'm looking at bringing home. Cause we, it may not always be a puppy. You may be going to a rescue yep. and getting a three, four year old dog. And if those personalities are really meant to clash and they're both very yep. strong personalities, then you may find that this is not going to be an ideal match or it's going to take some added measures to manage this at home. So be sure to consult a professional who might be able to take those steps with you and help you find the best next step to making it a happy family.
0: Yeah, that's so true, especially if you're bringing home or want to bring home an older dog. Um, I brought home my second dog was an adult dog and I had so I had two adult dogs that I was introducing to each other. And so I had to take those extra steps, make sure the second dog's personality was going to mesh well with the first dog. And so definitely reaching out to somebody who can help you evaluate those dogs and then slowly introduce them to make sure that it'll get along smoothly. But that was a great question. All right. right, Well, let's hear the next question from another one of our listeners.
1: Hi there. My name is Roger. I'm from Westfield, New Jersey. My question is, how can I teach my dog to stop pulling on the leash during walks? Thanks. Ooh.
0: (laughs) I wish that there was just a, here is the solution to your problem. But if anyone has listened to our show, watched our show, or I'm sure if you had a dog, you will learn that it's not a simple solution to just fix a problem behavior. And we have to remember that problem behaviors are a problem to us, not to our dog. They don't see it as a problem. And the reason why your dog is pulling is not because they're trying to be bad and trying to be naughty. It's probably because they walk faster than you, number one they're excited, right? They want to go chase a squirrel. They want to like run up to the neighbor's dog who knows what it is. And sometimes it's just because like the leash is short and they would prefer to explore further. And so before we kind of get into like some tips to help you out, um, I know Chrissy has some advice for dogs just in general before going on a walk, some things you can do.
1: Yeah, you know some things that I've learned, and even for my own experience, we, you know, we recently went to like a historical city in Virginia, and I was like, oh my gosh! The second my dogs come out of the vehicle, they're just gonna be nuts because they're ready to go (laughs) and ready to run, and we don't. They're gonna explode! Yeah. So I was like, you know what? What I am gonna do is while my family's still waking up in the hotel, I am gonna take them out to this little fenced area, Mm. and I am gonna bust out some energy. And let them romp and explore and play and really get chasing around and chasing a toy so that when I have the expectation later to go for a walk, I've kind of gotten out some of this bigger energy. And that's something that you can do if you have a fenced-in backyard or you work off a long line. Get some of that you know, high drive or that like over-the-top energy out of your dog first before you try going for a walk. It may help.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. I think a lot of people, when they try to – and they're doing the best they can, right, and they're trying to be good dog owners – And they're thinking, okay, I want to give my dog exercise. I want to give them an outlet. Let me take them on a walk. But if your dog's main outlet of the day is to go out on a walk on a leash, they're being held back on, you're going to get those like overexcited lunging towards everything because the dog is overexcited, overstimulated. And so maybe finding a different outlet for that energy is going to be the first thing that's going to help your walks. And the next thing is going to be That if you are taking your dog on a walk, you need to understand that there's different types of walks. There's like a training structured walk and then there is a freedom walk where your dog's allowed to explore, allowed to maybe go back and forth. And I'm a huge advocate for making sure that my dogs get both of those types of walks. Because if we're expecting them to be sitting in the house for eight hours while we're working, then we take them and expect them to heel by our side like that, that's not very fun for your dog. So finding those outlets, having the separation of the types of walks and make sure if you want your dog to walk nicely on a leash, practice it when you don't need it. And what I mean by that is start in your house, start practicing having your dog walk nice on a leash without any distractions in your house, rewarding them for good behavior with treats, things like that. And then slowly, slowly start increasing the distractions. If we expect our dogs to go from, Walking nicely in our living room with nothing going on to going to a dog park and not expecting them to lunge on a leash. That's an unrealistic expectation. And of course, both Chrissy and I are huge, huge advocates of finding a trainer near you with... Great techniques, positive reinforcement techniques to teach your dog what they're supposed to do on a walk. So don't just take these tips from the internet, d- from a podcast. Find someone, if you are having trouble, find someone locally to you that can help you with your dog because there might be some reasonings, there might be some things that you're not seeing and that someone yeah. that's answering a question on a podcast can't possibly see for and, you. And so. some
1: breeds will be more susceptible to wanting to chase the little critters out there or, yep. you know, you are you'll, <laughs> by learning with a trainer that it's not just, Teaching the dog they're gonna teach you. And I think of it as like, you know, listen when we get our driver's license, um think God, they don't throw me on the highway right away. <laughs> you know, they put you through a course. They put you on a driving course and they kind of, you know, we're going to show you That's what to do true. here first. That's true. Before we let you out there, because I'm from New Jersey and anybody else from New Jersey, we get kind <laughs> of a bad rap about driving. So it's good that they put us through those extra measures, but it goes the same for your dog and yourself to get some learning on your behalf so that you can be educated and you can be ready when you get up to the situations on your stroll and your walk or your hike, your trail, your travels, and you go, I know what to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. And we have one more question from another listener. So let's listen to this one and see if we can help you out.
1: Hi, this is Deja from Orlando. I have a strange question for the dog moms. I want to become a dog trainer, but not sure how to start. There is so much out there and I'm kind of confused on how to start. What method should I use? Can I learn it online or not? Stuff like that. So happy to get some insights from you and your experience on how to become a professional dog trainer. Thanks. Love your show. That is a great question. And I think it's such a good topic to talk about. I don't think people always know where to go. I don't think there's really like, well, sometimes there are like these schools to learn, and we know of a couple of them out there. But I think some of the best experience you can get is from OJT, which is on-the-job training. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had a unique start from Amber, but mine was a little bit more organic. I adopted my dog, Beasley, and I started training in a facility. I was actually approached in that facility to say, have you ever thought about being a dog trainer? And then, luckily enough, I was able to uh, work their internship program which was a unique program that was meant to help you shadow trainers and eventually be able to host your own classes in that facility. So mine was not so much book and lecture, although I do have a degree in equine studies and training and a bachelor of science in there. So um, I do have a background of training horses. And I will say having an animal background in general, especially with a college degree there, did help me kind of transfer that knowledge over to dog training. There were a lot of similarities. Um, But most of my work has been on the job training and through trial and error and experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really um, underappreciated way to get started in training. And I wish that I had that experience because um, I was in this position myself where I wanted to work with animals. I loved training animals, but I didn't know how to get started. And um, back then social media wasn't a big thing, but now it's pretty cool. Cause you can kind of get an idea of training facilities near you. And if you have trained your own dog through a training facility, asking the trainers there, if, if you like what they're doing and you think that they are doing a great job, um, asking them if you can shadow them and just be a volunteer in their classes to help out. That's a great way to get started. There are, um, certification programs that I've gone through myself, um, There's many different ones out there and I will say that one of the ones that I know people have a lot of really like great reports from is called Karen Pryor Academy and um, this is a really cool one because they not only give you the book knowledge and certification tests and things like that, but they actually pair you up with a certified trainer through their program that you shadow through that trainer and that trainer will help guide you and and basically be your mentor and I think that's something that's really overlooked that again I didn't really get that experience when I was first getting started I actually started as a trainer at a big box pet store and um, I went through their accreditation program and then within a like two years I kind of maxed out through their program and I wanted to learn more and do more and so that's where I took the initiative to look into these different certification programs. And I started working with a full-time training facility. um, And that was the most learning you could ever get is just being kind of like thrown into it. Um, But yeah, I would really suggest trying to find a trainer near you. And if you can't find a trainer near you, maybe look into something like Karen Pryor Academy where they can pair you up with someone qualified to be able to teach you all the things that you should know. But that's a great question. And I think that was a really, really fun episode. And I just had a really great time talking to our guest, which was so much
1: fun. It was. It was great. We really got to like dive into so many different areas of learning, which I really appreciated. You know, we spend so much time talking about our pets and everything about our pets, but it really opened my eyes into the world around us and how like the small things that we can do to educate others or reach into our community can make a big difference and actually change the area that you live in. And, Absolutely. and the future, because I think that more and more people are, are taking dogs on and bringing them into their lives. Yeah. So yeah, it was such a great episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. We had a really good time, but if the fun doesn't end here, we have a lot more episodes coming down the pike. And um, Amber, where can everyone find us? And if they want to share some stories of their own.
0: Yes, yeah, so don't forget, guys, you can send us voicemail questions, stories, blurbs, all those things we love to hear from you at DogTV.com slash The Dog Moms. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. That will really help us out a lot. It will let us know if you like what you're hearing, and it'll also help other people be able to listen, too. I know that we love our dogs, and so we want to share that with all other dog lovers out there, too.
1: Yes, and also thank you, Beth, for coming on. We can't wait to learn more about Wagtown and share all that with you with you. Please be sure to check her out. And until next time, stay positive and have a wonderful day with your furry friends. Go out there, have some fun. Remember, just enjoy the time with your dog. Until next time. Bye. Bye guys. Cool.